Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. A couple of things before we get to last night's 60 Minutes about China. There's a new type of bear. What? You need to know about that. Wow. Brand new. We got a brand new bear. That's exciting. The whole bear thing was getting tired. I'm yeah. glad to hear it. Um, uh, and there's a, we were actually just talking about this. Um, there's a new COVID vaccine problem that nobody really counted on. So you had the people that were willing to get it. You had the people that weren't willing to get it. And now it seems like there's a pretty decent chunk, something like 10 to 15%, they think, of people that they're not against it. They just aren't really getting around to it. For some oh, reason, my type of people. It's the people who ins- answer opinion polls with no opinion. Well, I I know a couple actually personally that haven't gotten it yet. And why? I just I don't know. I've been kind of busy, and I and I'm, I've been meaning to look into it. It just seems I, like a lot of work. I guess it's the it's not a priority for me crowd or something. But it's not it's not like a, I don't believe in the vaccine or Fauci's getting half the money from uh, the Pfizer or company or any of those things. It's just you know I, I've been meaning to, but I haven't. So nobody huh. really expected that crowd and so they don't know what to do with that crowd no urgency interesting this will give you urgency chlorine shortage may cause gross swimming pools all summer long stay with us Mm. human soup welcome to our ool notice there's no p in our ool let's Mm. keep it that way Mm. huh p is like the best alternative (laughs) just gonna be like gray water with a disturbing foam on the top so we went to the air when I was a kid, we went to the world's largest public pool in Garden City, Kansas. They That's built exciting. it as the world's largest pool. We only went once, and we only lived 30 miles away. I don't know why we only Well, I know why we only went once after we went. But, um, <laughs> it was ginormous. Whether it was actually the world's largest, I don't know. But they built themselves the world's largest swimming pool. And it was, like, as far as you could see... Wow. I don't know how it came to be. It, it seemed like they built a pool, then added on to it, then added on to it. Because it's all like the concrete would be super old, then not quite as old, then kind of new, and just is huh. very, very giant. But that was, I've been to, I've, I don't know if I've ever been to a pond that disgusting. Oh. Like a pond with no inlet or outlet. Oh. And it was just, I mean, you talk about human soup. Oh, it's it's a sickening. And western Kansas in the summertime is so hot. Probably 105 degrees. And you just got all these human beings with various degrees of needing to bathe before they get in. In the world's biggest public pool. It was, was pretty gross. Boy, and... and, and gray. It, I thought of it when you said gray, because the water was gray. Yeah, and, and the parts... what gave me cancer a couple of years ago. Was that day swimming <laughs> at that pool? The, the parts of all those people that they need to bathe the most are the right. parts that are least likely to be bathed. <laughs> So isn't gross. That the, isn't that the truth? Oh, so gross. Anyway, moving on to more important fare, 60 Minutes with a couple of stories that had to do with China taking over the world last night. But first, they talked to Anthony Blinken, the current Secretary of State for the United States. Chinese fighter jets are increasingly visible in the skies above the Western Pacific, where the U.S. Navy also has a presence. This past week, China's President Xi unveiled three new warships to patrol the South China Sea. 
It already has the world's largest navy and could use it to invade Taiwan, a democratic island and long-standing U.S. ally. So I, I feel like, and we've talked about this for a long time, and I'm kind of obsessed with it, but I still feel like we don't get it. Like, they're going to punch us in the nose, and um, and and China's going to say, we've been telling you for years we're going to punch you in the nose. We've been making it clear in any way you look at it that we've been going to punch you in the nose. Everybody around the world is looking at us and thinking, boy, they're going to punch the United States in the nose. Everybody knew it. And now you're surprised and shocked that we punched you in the nose. I feel like that's what's going to happen. Yeah, it does have a, a weird feeling of inevitability about it. Like, uh, you know, it's a Western where the new gunslinger comes to town, and the old sheriff says, no, I'm, I don't need to trade lead with no gunslinger. Uh, let's right. keep the peace. And then you're like, oh, come on. <laughs> Act three, you two are shooting at each other. Right, right. You can want... Well, let, let, let's uh, let some more of the, um, the clips roll before we get into that uh, discussion. More from 60 Minutes last night. Have you ever seen China be so assertive or aggressive militarily? No, we haven't. I think what we've witnessed over the last uh, several years is China acting more repressively at home and more aggressively abroad. That is a fact. Do you think we're heading towards some sort of military confrontation with China? I think it's profoundly against the interests of both China and the United States uh, to, uh, to get to that point or even to head in that direction. Which is the clip? Uh, I'm not sure it's profoundly against China's best interests. That, that's the sort of diplomatic soft talk that I was interested in. Is is it purely to not give them uh, quote unquote bulletin board material of, to put headlines of you know if you if you guys get froggy we'll turn your country into a nightlight we can't you know have that sort of rhetoric I, like I get that but there's got to be something in between that and well it is not in the mutual best interest of everybody involved if we were to come to a something 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 yeah you know the, I'm so used to that diplomatic speak it doesn't really strike me anymore but you're right I mean the idea that the uh, that uh, Winnie the Pooh there and his Politburo get together and say uh, Mr. President you know Anthony Blinken was on 60 Minutes the other night and he pointed out it would not be in our best interest <laughs> to get into a military conflict, and she rubs his chin and says, yeah, you know, he's probably right now that I think about it. I mean, who's that for? I know it's for China, but please, why? I don't know who it's for at all, and I, I, I don't think the usual diplomatic talk makes sense anymore. They've made it clear they're not interested in talking like that. Practically poked Blinken in the chest with his finger and said, what are you going to do? tough guy and you know did that thing on his chin that's practically what they did to us at the meeting six weeks ago in alaska and we just said yeah well we do have race problems so well the guy in alaska the the chinese head diplomat kind of jabbed his glasses at blanket and said the u.s can't be dictate or can't be lecturing us from some position of power not anymore we really should have fought you know and i think blinken was caught off guard i really think i'm i i don't know if he'd admit this out loud maybe he'll write a book someday and say so but i think if he could take it back he would have responded differently but he didn't expect that so people don't say that sort of thing in those kind of meetings especially in the first meeting um that's just not the way diplomats diplomats talk as you were just pointing out but i think if he if he could get it back he would have said something, no, we're taking no direction from a country that's committing a genocide right now. Like, just stopped him in his tracks. Mm-hmm. Um, instead of, well, the United States does have problems with racial relations, but we are a country that works on these things. That was not strong enough. Right. 
Right. Well, he was unprepared, and you know how it is. From George Costanza to you and me and everybody else in, in life, you, you think of what you should have said later. The shrimp store <laughs> the called. The store called, and they're right. out of you. The ocean called. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but, yeah, I would have loved to hear, yeah, we have problems, but we have a creed that all men are created equal. We have a bill of rights. We have basic human rights in our country, and we're working like crazy to get to them. You oppress people. You have concentration camps. You commit genocides. You, you We're not going to lecture you. You're not going to lecture anybody, you oppressive sons of... I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> So which one of these clips, it must be in one of these economic clips here, because he uses a phrase that I thought was important about, about the current world order or Western oh, world yeah, order yeah, or whatever. Yeah. yeah, 13. It is the one country in the world that has the military, economic, diplomatic uh, capacity to undermine or challenge the rules-based order that we, uh, uh, we care so much about and are determined uh, to defend. Yeah, see, that that's where I think we're really out of bounds. And I don't want to come off as one of those talk show hosts that's always talking about, tell them we're going to nuke them till they glow! You know, one of those things where it's just unrealistic. You can't act that way. Sure. But this talking about the... The, the, the rules-based order? The rules-based order. The importance of the rules-based order can't be overestimated. <sighs> they don't care! They want different rules. They want the rules to be, we make the rules. Our money is the world standard. We decide who goes through these shipping lanes. Those are the rules we want, and we're going to make that happen at the end of a bayonet or a gun or these ships or whatever. That's our whole goal. So, so It reminds me of John K- John Kerry when he was Secretary of State and Russia went into Ukraine, and he said, well, that was a 19th century move in a 21st century world. Okay, he doesn't care, dude. Yeah. He doesn't care. Yeah, I think the blinker was talking to the rest of the countries that, that make up really the international uh, modern order. I think he was really trying to send the message to, to Europe and to, you know, uh, to Asia that, look, this is the only country that can bring us all to our knees economically in terms of war and death and the rest of it. You have to understand they're on the warpath now. Because it's going to take a huge international consensus to counter China. They're going to have to find it so difficult to do business that they have to ratchet back the uh, the bellicosity. China is going to move on Taiwan, and that is going to be the biggest decision the United States has made in I don't know how long, maybe ever, and it's maybe ever it's in history. Because the decision in World War II wasn't that hard. Yeah, in terms of the impact, it could be. It really could be. How about clip fifteen to that end? Do you think we're heading towards some sort of military confrontation with China? I think it's profoundly against the oh, interests sorry. of both. We heard that, didn't we? I'm an idiot. Uh, let's see. Which one is there? Oh, oh, yeah, 18. If China becomes the wealthiest country in the world, doesn't that also make it the most powerful? A lot depends on how it uses that wealth. It has an aging population. It has significant uh, environmental problems and so on. But here's the way I think about it, Nora, writ large. If we're talking about what really makes the wealth of a nation, fundamentally, it's its human resources and the ability of any one country to maximize their potential. That's the challenge uh, for us. It's the challenge for China. I think we're in a much better place to maximize that, uh, that human potential than any country on Earth, if we're smart about it. They have a president that looks like <laughs> Winnie the Pooh. Yeah, well, okay, if we if they have half our ability to maximize human potential, they do twice as good as us, twice as well, because they got four times the population. 
So I, I don't know what that did. The real test, Martha, is maximizing the human potential. Yeah, I think we got to come up with better phrases than that. To, 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 well, to, the difference would be innovation, right? It, on a pure manufacturing standpoint, they just have the numbers to outproduce. Plus, sure. they steal all our best ideas. And at the end of a sword, you can make somebody... You know, make these screws, make this, make this engine. But you can't make somebody invent something. The innovation, I think, no, is we where... invent it and they steal exactly. it. And they steal it. But if you're stealing with impunity, it just yeah. it doesn't matter. Yeah, we got to stop them from stealing somehow. It was just something Trump talked about all the time. Um, I had one more point I wanted to make about this. Maybe when we come back. But uh, geez, that's I, I found that with along with the second segment about how you know China and other places make these little computer chips that we don't make near as many of anymore. Semiconductors. I I thought those two things were troubling put together. Damn it! What's a semiconductor? Is that a guy who's directing the orchestra and he loses interest halfway through the piece? (laughs) We need a full conductor. This is stupid. He conducts the first, or he just conducts the woodwinds. I don't know. I I don't know. I don't don't know know much about tech. Yeah. (laughs) the fact that there's a new bear now oh exciting bear news um polar bears and grizzly bears diverged about a half a million years ago now the changing planet appears to be bringing them back together in something they are calling a pizzly bear or a growler okay we need better names they both sound like euphemisms for going to the bathroom you got a pizzly bear or a growler and then i'm going to the bathroom pizzly or growler Who's in charge of this? A twelve-year-old boy? Growler, I'll be there a while. <laughs> oh, I gotta, go, I gotta go ward off a bear attack. I'll be right back. <laughs> Not just a pizzly. Just take a second. <laughs> oh, easy now. You child? <laughs> you child? <laughs> they gotta They're come actually, up with a better well, name. Well, it's a polar bear grizzly bear. They're calling it a pizzly or a growler. They haven't decided on it yet. <laughs> uh-uh. That childish, unfortunately. It's an amazing. It's an you amazing. You were a child. It's an amazing evolutionary uh, thing here, and we we took it childish. How about a Posley? How about just a brand new name? How about Park, Parker Posley? A whole new name. <laughs> we don't need a celebrity couple, the new bear. <laughs> exactly. That's right. A northern hybrid bear. No, you got to call it a... <laughs> it's a metaphor. <laughs> <laughs> that's fabulous. So that's a, so it's it's a half polar bear, half grizzly. Correct. That thing would rip your lungs out, Jim. Yeah, no kidding. I'm telling you. So, uh, yeah, I thought Blinken was a little soft, a little uh, traditional diplomatic on China, but mostly he expresses a good, sound, realistic view of of China being on the march and the rest of it. And the Biden administration's been reasonably tough. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Credit where it's due. On the other hand, the stuff a Blinken said about immigration was idiotic. Clip 20, please. We inherited a totally broken system. Not true. Uh, Broken intentionally. And it takes time to fix it. And by the way, our message is very clear. Don't come. The border is not open. You won't get in. Yeah, okay. A couple of responses to that. First of all, it, it got quietly leaked out, more or less, that the Biden administration is going to be sending 400 families a month, I think it is, out into the hinterlands starting in June. 
Four hundred a month, just turning them loose into the country. The idea that you won't get in, you will get in. If you have a kid in tow, if you're a family unit, if you just are part of the pretty good percentage of people who who sneaks in, you will get in. Absolutely, you will. You inherited a broken system, baloney. And then you have this. Republicans on the House Oversight and Budget Committee are questioning a reported plan by the Biden administration to send cash payments to Central America as part of their strategy to combat the root causes of the migrant crisis. Remember, that's what uh, Kamala Harris is in charge of. James Comer and Jason Smith, ranking members on the House Oversight and Budget Committee, wrote to the uh, Office of Management and Budget expressing concern about a plan for conditional cash transfers to address the root causes in Central America. Essentially, we're going to bribe some of the most corrupt governments on Earth. Guatemala, and I think it's El Salvador? I want to get that right. I'll I'll check on it. Are in the top ten most corrupt governments on Earth, but we're going to bribe them to keep their people from coming here. What that's going to look like. And then, you know what, we're running out of time, which is too bad because there's more to this. But we'll get to it in a, in a second or two. Uh, but the U.S. A- Agency for International Development, USAID, told Reuters it is using cash transfers in Central America, quote, to help people meet their basic needs. So now the entire Western Hemisphere is, is a welfare state and we're financing it? That's unbelievable. That's insane. Yeah. Some of the other stuff they said is even more insane. We'll get to that next segment. We also have to tell you how bad the COVID is in India. It's what it could have looked like in the United States if we hadn't gotten this vaccine out in time. Oh, my God. The worst-case scenario is happening in India. Uh, A reporter from there coming up. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. So I was just uh, asking our producer Hanson about the game over the weekend. You see, he invited me to his son's practice that I went to on Friday. So now, like, I'm fully into the team and how they did and everything. I just saw the practice. I didn't see the game the next day, which they lost. Oh. He's telling me what players did what, what players did other things, and how it all went down. Seven, ah, seven eight, and nine-year-olds, I think. It's really fun to watch the practice, though. Way so much more organized and, like, uh, opportunities to learn than anything I ever had as a kid, at least where I lived. But yeah. Yeah, for better or worse, and and I think it's both, there's a lot better coaching and better coaching uh, techniques these days than there used to be. On the other hand, it's become so, like, professionalized and so serious that I think they've killed the joy to some of it, too. But practices are run better. That's interesting, yeah. (laughs) I I would have loved to practice like that as a kid. Um, Would have absolutely loved that. Um, I I was amazed by some parents and how... uh, into it they were with their own children and uh at a practice i think if i was on my kids that much or if my dad had been on me that much i would have not enjoyed it but you know to each their own maybe the kid likes it i don't know yeah i doubt it um (laughs) that is one just uh, that blew me away when i started coaching youth sports when i was a kid when you were a kid when all of us were kids you would jump on your bike you would ride to practice you would get home for dinner and your mom would say how was practice the idea of going to your kids' no. practices and watching the entire no. thing, why would you? No, it doesn't even make, yeah, never, no, never I, once. I remember, it was like my first or second year as a soccer coach. Gladys, you are right on the spot Man. today. I mean, you are really sharp. Well done. Mm-hmm. She got us a little sleep over the weekend. She confided to me she's trying to drink less. Anyway, <laughs> thanks, Gladys. Good job. <clears throat> anyway. Uh, where, where she loves the White Claw. 
Oh, I think it was my uh, like my first or second year as a soccer coach. Uh, one of the parents said to me, yeah, I can't believe uh, some of these parents who just drop their kid off like it's some kind of daycare and don't stay. And, and I thought, okay, I, I, I don't care. I'm not here to coach your parents. I don't give an S whether I stay or, or take a quick trip to the moon with Elon Musk. I don't care. I know. If my dad had hung around a practice, it would have been like, why is your dad over there? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. That's weird. <laughs> so I need to correct something very important, and, and I want to finish this story about the Biden administration is proposing sending billions of dollars to the Central American countries, the Northern Triangle, uh, including El Salvador and Guatemala, which are among the most corrupt, top 10 most corrupt countries on Earth. $4 billion to invest in tackling what they call the root causes of the crisis, the immigration crisis, like gang violence, uh, the climate and economic instability. So you have Chicago, where they shoot each other like crazy. It's insane. Gang violence, economic instability, the rest of it. You can't solve it in Chicago, but you're going to pump $4 billion of taxpayer money into Central America to try to solve it there? But Abe Lincoln's in a bad position. The Biden administration brought this upon themselves by anti-Trumping or de-Trumpifying all border policy, including all the stuff that was working great. And so now they have to, they can't say, you know, we were wrong. We're going to undo all, we're going to put all that stuff back in there. They can't. So they're, instead they're saying, no, 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 it's about the root causes. Yeah, yeah. We're going to get rid of gangs in El Salvador. Yeah, we're going to give them billions of dollars. It's idiotic. Now the correction. The Biden administration anticipates it will be releasing 400 migrant families into the country per day. Whoa! 400 families a day by mid-June. You know, it's funny. I was trying to remember the story because I had it, like, over here, and I thought it was over there, and I was thinking, I I swear to God, it's every day. No, that can't be. That can't be. It's got to be per month. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that's what I went with in the tease. I apologize because it's, you know... They mention in the uh, examiner, Washington Examiner, the 400 figure is eight times greater than the 50 families a day that Border Patrol and Immigration Customs Enforcement were releasing from its facilities uh, early this year. So 400 migrant families a day just released into the country by mid-June. And last segment, we played, go ahead, play clip 20 one more time, Sean. We inherited a totally broken system, uh, broken intentionally, and it takes time to fix it. And by the way, our message is very clear. Don't come. The border is not open. You won't get in. Yeah, 400 families a day, Will. 400 a day. And if I got a family in El Salvador, I'm coming north. I would do everything I could to come up with a way, the money, whatever, to get to the border and hope that I could be one of those 400 families, change the trajectory of my family name forever. Uh, yeah. And, yeah, okay, it's interesting. So Warren Buffett, one of the greatest investors in the history of the world, one of the richest men in the world, says the economy is red hot and so hot he warns about inflation, as uh, Larry Summers has over the weekend. Um I'll tell you, I don't want inflation to come. I'm not one of those people that roots for a bad economy to get a different president. I mm. ne- I always root for a good economy, always. Um, but uh, inflation takes off, man, you're going to see those high Biden numbers disappear really quick, and people start pointing fingers a lot of directions. 
well, if Warren Buffett and Larry Summers are highly concerned about inflation, because we're already seeing it in a number of sectors, I mean, the previous uh, giant blasts of cash are like uh, gasoline on the fire, but some of that gasoline is still like hovering in midair. It's arcing its oh, way to yeah. the fire. Yeah. And, and Joe Biden and Kamala Harris are filling up more tanks to throw another $2 trillion of gasoline on the fire. That's insane. uh, And inflation has an emotional component to it that people get afraid, and then that causes inflation, and it just builds on itself, and it takes a long time to get out of it. Anyway, we can talk about that another time. That scares the hell out of me. Oh, my God. Um, So China, we were talking about China earlier this hour because they're featured on 60 Minutes, and that is one scary country. Uh, They just took a, a weird... Twitter pot shot at India because India's COVID situation. How bad is COVID in India? Well, this is a report from India that was on ABC This Week yesterday. When I step out on my balcony, the first thing I smell is smoke. There are massive cremations that are taking place across this city and across this country. So many people are dying of coronavirus that it's creating these huge clouds of smoke that just hang over the cities. We're experiencing the worst crisis that coronavirus pandemic has produced anywhere at any time. Just about everybody I know has somebody in their family who's sick. Yeah, this isn't a it's India's turn sort of situation. It's the worst it has been since the pandemic began anywhere at any time and it's because of the variations they've got a all the bad variations in one particularly new bad one and if that could have happened it could have been us we get the vaccine out a couple of months later oh my gosh we could have a completely different story going on right now thank god uh, a little more from this report and what's really scary is the healthcare system is collapsing around us the hospitals are totally full They're running out of medicine. They're running out of oxygen. People are racing around the city trying to get help. There are people who are dying on the streets because they can't find even the most basic things. And as we as we speak, the cases are growing. The government is reporting almost 400,000 infections, new infections every day and maybe 4000 deaths. But all the information we're getting is that's a gross understatement. So the problem here is way bigger than I think anybody realizes at this moment. And there's just this sense of fear circulating across the city right now. Uh, that's ugly. I'd say, and yeah. And get a hell of a lot uglier. And the situation oh, I'm is... I'm looking the, at a picture up there right now. Oof. Go ahead. Uh, the, the cities, a lot of cities in India are quite technologically advanced and pretty modern and the rest of it. But out in the, uh, the rural part of the country where like two-thirds of the people are... Um, they don't they don't you don't even report a death if grandma dies or uncle johnny dies of the covid or old age or whatever you just bury them or cremate them nobody files any reports or fills out any forms so as people are dying at a horrific rate of covid people are just getting rid of the bodies as quickly as they can and so there is no official count in a lot of the country they're just going on anecdotal evidence so india and china have been swapping well they've been swapped they've they've gone to war a couple of times over the past 75 years, and they uh, got into bloody fist fights there on the border not long ago. So they're enemies and um, world rivals is the two countries in the world that have a billion people, the number one and two biggest countries in the world. China mocked India in a social media post, prompting a backlash. China put out a tweet that had a picture of their coolest, grooviest 
most technologically advanced rocket taking off next to a photo of cremation fires burning at night in India oh. under the watch of people in hazmat suits as they're burning the bodies because there have so many people dying of COVID so fast with a caption that said China lighting a fire versus India lighting a fire, which went along with the hashtag pointing to India's rising number of COVID-19 cases. And that well, that's came, cold, That man. was from an official Chinese government account. That wasn't just a, you know, smart ass. That was a, from an official Chinese government account that put that out. Wow, that's brutal. They share a fair amount of border, too. I can't remember how many miles it is, but it's, it's hundreds. Well, that's, yeah, that's where the, the, the clubbings and fist fightings were going on. Yeah. The disputed border region. Isn't that something? Mocking yeah. your rival's COVID deaths while showing off your technological prowess. You know, Chinese I've never... Asshole. That's a good point. Uh, I've never hoped so much in uh, in my life that I was wrong, but it all feels like it's headed somewhere. Certainly does. It certainly does. Let's hope I'm wrong. Cooler heads will prevail. You, you They'll aren't. shake hands. We'll you, shake hands. You aren't. It's a I'm question not. of is it next week, next year, or five years from now? And how far does it go? Well, that nobody can ever predict. The dogs of war have you talked about many times. There's woof, no predicting that. Right. Anywho. That's some cheery stuff. Well, it's reality, man. You want reality or not? Sometimes no. <laughs> Thanks um, for asking. Apple raised its dividends, seven other stocks that did too, after not doing that for a while during the whole pandemic and weirdness that's going on. Apple, Chevron, IBM, among the many large U.S. companies that declared dividend increases this past week. The five big tech companies now account for, did I see a 20% of the S&P 500? Five 20% companies? between Yikes. the big five, which are Apple, Google, Facebook, Microsoft, Amazon, Microsoft. Yeah. There you go. Those are your five biggest. They account for twenty percent of the S and P five hundred. That amazing. That's mind blowing, and and several of them are evil. So I know. Keep I, that in mind. I know I had something else I wanted to jam in before the end of the show. I mentioned the new bear. <laughs> Got that on the air. We have new, India, uh, new bear. India, which shares a fair amount of border with uh, China. They're big borders with Pakistan. Mm-hmm. Isn't that groovy? Can you mm-hmm. imagine? We got Canada and Mexico. We have our problems now and again, but pleasant places both. China and Pakistan? Yeah. The countries that they've been to war with, uh, you know, not that long ago. All nuclear powers. Mm. So, yeah, makes it very exciting, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, uh, more on the way. Text line 415-295-KFTC. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Medina Spirit battles on. Hot Rod Charlie on the outside. And Central Quality on the far outside. The four of them heading to the finish in the Kentucky Derby. Here's the wire. Bob Baffert does it again. Medina Spirit has won the Kentucky Derby. Is that an actual crowd or is that fake crowd noise? That's crowd. Yeah, That's it was an a actual crowd, crowd yeah. there. Yep, yep, yep. I hope the casino is enjoying my money. I uh, was persuaded at the last minute to place a little wager on the nags. 
And having won last year, I was convinced that I was some sort of horse handicapping sure, sage. Sure, you had a talent for it. <laughs> I you had, solved it. You had demonstrated a, a, an affinity for the. I have an instinct, really, an instinct for the horses. Yeah, swing and a miss completely. I bet on three horses. Uh, two of them didn't finish. The other one took a left turn, headed for the parking lot. Didn't finish They're, at all. No, no, I'm kidding. They just laid down on the track. <laughs> <laughs> Tried to climb on the back of a jockey. You carry me around for once. They're glue now. Huh? Hey, I'll teach them. <laughs> yeah, boy. So, yeah, there's a chlorine shortage. And uh, seriously, swimming pools are going to be gross. It was that big giant. You remember there was an explosion and fire at a chemical plant in Louisiana in August. It was damaged by Hurricane Laura, burst into flames. And I guess that's like the great American... Uh, 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 chlorine tablet company. You know those big buckets of the three-inch chlorine tablets, chlorine pucks, I call them? Um, they have uh, doubled in price now, and you can't find them even if you had the money. So look for a skanky swimming pool near you. Ugh. I'm looking at The Hill, which is a D.C. publication that leans left like everything in D.C., but how Caitlyn Jenner could reshape the future of the Republican Party. So they're taking it completely seriously. I think uh-huh. they're... But, you know, we, we learned this uh, going through the whole Arnold thing. The Most of the media is centered on the East Coast, primarily New York and Washington, D.C. You would think in the modern age with, you know, instant community. I mean, it's not like the railroads or the telegraph. I mean, <laughs> but for whatever reason, the East Coast really misses a lot. I mean, gets it wrong a lot about California politics. It's very drive-by-ish. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, and they treated Arnold completely differently than the reality that existed in California. Yes. Mm-hmm. He would be on Meet the Press, and they'd be talking about, how did you bring both parties together to accomplish so much? And be like, what are you talking about? Didn't brought anybody together? Hadn't accomplished anything? What are you talking about? Yeah, he got defeated for overreaching, and he gave up. Now, it's post-partisan because he quit trying. Yeah, it was ridiculous coverage. It was terrible. Anyway, so I'm just thinking that they're doing the same thing with Caitlyn Jenner, because Living in California, I don't feel like she's making a blip of a difference. Um, and we'll see. No, and and it w- we'll see in a very long time. Nobody even knows when the damn the recall election is going to be, do we? And he's going to hold on. I was just reading an article uh, how the Democratic Party is uh, is like doubling down on backing him. They didn't do that last time around. Gavin Newsom, the governor of California, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Eh, well, eh, what are you going to do? Yeah. One party state, whatever. It's it's like China. Yeah, you can recall she, but you're going to end up in a concentration camp. So, anyway. Final thoughts with A-N-G. Yeah! yeah! So, here's your host for Final Thoughts, Joseph Getty. Thank you, sir. Let's get a final thought from everybody on the crew. He presses the buttons in the control room. He is our technical director, Michelangelo. Michael? Oh, I remember fondly the days of the public swimming pool as a kid, breaking my teeth on now and later candies. Uh, the burning red eyes because they overchlorinated the pool, and then of course being pantsed underwater, unfortunately, at times. <laughs> Good times. Yeah. Positive Sean, our producer, has a final thought. Sean? Yeah, I continue to be baffled by uh, COVID conversations that seem to uh, have started in the pre-vaccine era and just linger in post-vaccine era. I, I don't, I don't get a lot of what's being said. The va- there's plenty of vaccine out there for everybody. Open the freaking restaurant. Let people go that have a vaccination. Let people go eat. Quit telling me to sanitize my hands when I walk into your car parts store, please. Oh, yeah. Uh, Those of you that are still, like, crazy sanitation. All the grocery stores, they got all these, like, high school kid, college kids out there with the squirt bottle and everything, wiping off all the handles and every part. But you don't, 
it doesn't transfer that way. Oh, no. We've known that for like nine and a half months. Jack, final thought? Uh, my kids like going to the public pool, and there's a lot of fun involved, but I was always disappointing them. Rarely would they not be out of otter pops. And so no. we'd go up to the concession stand, and they'd say, we're out of otter pops. And I would want to say, look, I could buy a giant <laughs> box of like a thousand of them for like ten bucks. How right. about I give them to you so you don't run out every day? You're making a killing on these things. They're like a nickel apiece. You're charging a dollar apiece. I wouldn't run out. You've got a bad business model going on here. Please stop yelling at me, sir. So I love maps. I love looking at maps. My final thought is I was looking at maps of India, including one that showed how much space the entire population of the United States would take in India. And there it is. And there's the entire population of Japan. There's the population of the UK. There's Russia. There's Ethiopia. There's Mexico. There's Egypt. There's Italy and Spain, uh, Guinea and the Philippines. The pop- full populations of all those countries would fit inside India. It is a ginormous country. Yep, but a lot of it backwards. Quite backwards. Armstrong and Getty wrapping up another grueling four-hour workday. So many people to thank. So little time. Go to armstrongandgetty.com. Oh, man, do we have some good clicks for you on the uh, the hot links, plus some A&G swag, the I'm Vaxxed, No Mask t-shirts flying off the shelves. We will see you tomorrow. God bless America. My point was made. I'll see y'all soon. Screw it. I'm late. thought everything was over. Okay, cheer, boo, yay, game over, let's go home. Go away! Yeah! So, let's go out with a bang. I'm gonna call my lawyer. Gun. Justice Snow White. Boy, boys, boys, damn it! Take two. <laughs> Glad we nailed that down. On that high note, thank you all very much. Armstrong and Getty.